The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. Critically analyzing national affairs, this is State of the Nation on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, State of the Nation, Hour 2. We're launching in. If you're just joining us, probably not because you've been watching TNT all day. We are live on YouTube, Rumble, and uh, Odyssey and others out there. So please give us a follow and share the video feed. We want to get as many people watching as possible. So do us a favor. Help us break those shadow banning algorithms. Get out there and share this broadcast TNT radio is live 24 seven. Timothy Shea is with me sitting in for Steve hook. Timothy, welcome back to state of the nation. Thank you very much, Brian. And I just like to remind people we're also streaming on Facebook and X. So get me back on Facebook. I'm permanently banned for life, Brian, (laughs) but with TNT, I can be back and people can see me on Facebook. So please share us on Facebook and X as well. That was an incredible interview with Liz Harrington. There's so much there to unpack still. Uh, And I misspoke. I said thousands of uncounted votes in Arizona. It's hundreds, but it it would have swung the election. The race for attorney general was so close there. Brian, do you think we're going to see a point where the Democrats realize that they've overplayed their hand? Because that's what they've done. These criminal indictments against Donald Trump have blown up in their face big time. I don't know if you've seen the TikTok videos. But it's now a thing on X and on TikTok for young black men to say, I'm so-and-so, I'm such-and-such years of age, and I'm voting for Donald Trump. We've got rap songs out there. We've got people saying, one guy did a great TikTok video saying, I don't know what kind of magic he's got, but when I get indicted, I go to jail. He gets indicted, (laughs) he gets out. The people in the community in Atlanta were lining the streets on the way back to the airport, cheering him on as he went through the ghettos of Atlanta. I think that people are starting to wake up that the Democrats do not have black America's back. Yeah, I think the incessant uh, race baiting and race peddling that we've seen uh, since Trump came into office, quite frankly, I think Americans are getting sick of it. You know, um, they, they've they tried to victimize the entirety of our African-American uh, public. They've indoctrinated their children, uh, you know, by policy. It has just been absolute class warfare for decades. And then uh, you know, uh, Obama came along and it was like, oh, maybe maybe things are going to change. We're going to get fundamental change. Well, it turns out that wasn't the fundamental change we were talking about. Uh, he was talking about. No, no, it was one of a institutionalized victim class for our African-Americans and people of color in this country, literally taking away their 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 American right to pursue life, liberty, and happiness because they're eternally a victim class. That's, that's, that's a, we don't have the receipts on this. We're not seeing the receipts and people are sick of it, Timothy. Yeah, that's about as un-American as you can get is treating people as though they're a captive voter block. And it's funny because Donald Trump, who got an NAACP civil rights award, along with Rosa Parks, along with Muhammad Ali, Donald Trump, who funded Jesse Jackson's two presidential campaigns back in the 80s. Donald Trump, who was the only president to fund historically black colleges and universities, HBCUs, for 10 years. 
Donald Trump was the only one to undo Joe Biden's racist 1994 crime bill and actually get some prison reform going. Donald Trump is the racist? Are you kidding me? And I, I think people are finally starting to realize that, as I said, the Democrats don't have their back. But this is an opportunity for Republicans. But Republicans need to step up and close the deal. Republicans need to start making the argument as to why our policies are better for Black America, for the barbershop owner, the beauty shop owner, the dis, you know the Coke distributorship owner. Small business and large business is the way forward for all of America. And we've got to start not just being the party of no, the party of we're not them. We've got to start doing a better job of putting forth what our policies are and why they're better for the American public, not just for black America, but for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I think we're starting to see a, a yearning for yeah. America first style, uh, politicians as you you and i and steve spoke about last time you were on it's not enough to just change the administrative party uh this needs to go uh system-wide because we have systemic issues with this uh you know our rhinos are really really causing problems here because they're not actual conservatives yeah and it's going worldwide right what did president trump say i'm america first but i want the canadian prime minister to be canada first i want the president of uh, Brazil to be Brazil first. I want the president of Mexico to be Mexico first. And that's what we're seeing around the world. We're seeing Victor Orban in Hungary. We're now seeing Javier Malay in Argentina. And he's just been straight fire since his election. I don't know if you've seen what he's been doing down there, but he's taken a wrecking ball to the corrupt Argentine government. And that's what we need. We need Donald Trump back here to take a wrecking ball to our corrupt government because it's Republicans and Democrats in the Uniparty. They got to go. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned sort of the worldwide aspect here uh, real quick before we bring Ruckus in. Just the headline, Canadian PM Trudeau getting destroyed in the polls is worried about Ukraine, says opposition leader. I don't know if I can pronounce his name. Uh, Pio Lever, uh, influenced by right wing American MAGA. How about that? It, it's a beautiful thing. Populism is spreading around the world. You're listening to State of the Nation on TNT Radio. Delivering the facts. Source I can trust. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Do you have an All upcoming right. community event, rally, march, festival, or fundraiser that could do with some free publicity? TNT Radio wants to promote it for you. Simply visit the What's On Events calendar on the TNT Radio website and submit your event details and we'll get the word out on TNT Radio. Okay, yes, absolutely. And now let's bring Ruckus to the party here. Uh, media outlet Business Insider was criticized over the weekend after publishing an article that offered speculation regarding what would happen, quote, if Donald Trump dies while running in the 2024 election, end quote. That's a strange thing to say after, uh, right after, just days after the 60th uh, anniversary of JFK's assassination. But here with the story, joining us once again is TNT Radio News producer Adam Clark. Uh, Ruckus, um, strange timing for this to drop into our tea leaves. Well, I, you, you made a giant leap there associating that with assassination and JFK. I didn't see that, but um, okay, interesting. Regardless, uh, for whatever reason, uh, in an article published Saturday, the outlet, which 
uh, I'm so confused. It used to be Business Insider, then it's been Insider for the longest time, but I think now it's back to being called Business Insider. But you all know the one, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but this article listed several different scenarios that would occur if the former president passed away before the GOP primary, during the primary, or between the primary and the general election. It wasn't about how, it's just what happens if. See, former President Trump, 77, is by far the leading GOP presidential candidate, besting the number two and number three candidates by more than 45 percentage points, respectively. I bet you can't even name number two and number three, can you? I didn't think so. It also said, quote, if Trump died during primary season. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. I lost my place. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Quote, if Trump died during primary season, which ends in mid-June, some states may postpone their scheduled primaries. End quote. That's what the article said in part. It also said that, quote, if Trump died after the last primary contest, but before the Republican National Convention, the other GOP presidential candidates would have to make a case to every state delegation at the convention for why they should be the party's nominee, end quote. Insider also recently ran an article with the headline, quote, what happens if a sitting president dies while running for re-election, end quote. And it included a, pro, uh, a photo of President Joe Biden. However, unlike the Trump article, Insider did not specifically make reference to President Biden in the headline. And unlike the Trump article, Insider used President Biden's last name sparingly throughout the article, although it did mention that President Biden turned 81 several days ago. Uh, the article stated, quote, if the president died during primary season, which ends in mid-June, some states may postpone their scheduled primaries, end quote. After Insider published the speculative article regarding President Trump's death during the primary, some conservative commentators offered criticism, not surprisingly. Some also claimed as part of an attempt to normalize President Trump's death, suggesting a nefarious plot could be carried out. There you go, Hesher. <laughs> uh, Representative Dan Goldman. Uh, oh, so sorry. Nope. Sorry, sorry. It was Charlie Kirk who wrote on X speaking about some people. I apologize. Quote, first, Levi Strauss Air Representative Dan Goldman says Trump must be eliminated. And now Business Insider is openly asking what would happen if Donald Trump dies while seeking reelection in 2024? Don't put anything past these people, end quote. Again, that was Charlie Kirk on a post on X. Human events editor Jack Posobiec also suggested on X that it was, quote, pointed out the media has begun normalizing the death of Trump again. Now this, end quote. He made reference to his conversation with pollster Richard Barris, who made a comment about such reports. Mr. Barris wrote in an X post in response, quote, I think it's pretty clear what message they're sending when they speculate about the death of a candidate they claim is worse than Hitler, Stalin, Mussolini, etc. combined. The last time they did this, a lefty nutcase decided it was heroic to shoot Republican Representative Steve Scalise and four others. End quote. Indeed, in 2017, Scalise was shot during a practice session for the congressional baseball game in Virginia. A 66-year-old self-described Bernie Sanders supporter, James Hodgkinson, was identified as the shooting suspect before he was killed by officers in a shootout. So, yeah, it's no bueno, uh, people, when they start doing this kind of thing. So the media has to be a little more responsible with its reporting sometimes. But um, what do you guys think? 
Um, well, I, I'm not willing to, I'm not willing to give them a pass on this. I'm not willing to ascribe yeah. this to unintentionality. I've been warning about this for over a year now. Look, they haven't been able to beat him at the ballot box. They haven't been able to beat him in the courtroom. There's only one option left. And as Charlie said, I put nothing past these people. Absolutely nothing. Why are they talking about the death of Donald Trump? who is as hale and hearty as any 76, 77-year-old I've ever seen. He hits a golf ball beautifully straight down the middle and far. The one that they should be speculating about, if they're going to speculate about anybody, would be Joe Biden, right? You'd be speculating at this octogenarian stumble bum who can't make it through a speech without losing his place and losing his mind, who can't even cross a, a graduation stage without pitching forward onto the floor. If there were to be speculation as to what would happen if a candidate died during a campaign, it would be talking about Joe Biden. So why are they talking about Donald Trump? I don't think it's an accident, Hesher. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Timothy. This is what we call neuro-linguistic programming right here. This is mm -hmm. what we call... Uh, predictive programming this is what we call uh propaganda you know what i mean this this is seeding this is sowing the seeds so um yeah and you know the big question right now especially you know in light of the conversation we had in the last hour is um can they beat him at the ballot ballot box again are they going to have to to roll out a scamdemic? Are they going to have to push mail-in ballots? Um, will there be another summer of love? Uh, will we get race baited all the way up to and through the election? Um, you know, but but all that said, at this point, um, with Trump up as far as he is, and what you mentioned about the African American population in the country. Um, Timbo, it's like, can they even use these hybrid vote and lawfare tactics in a way that is successful? A, what will this be the third time? I mean, I know this has been going on ad nauseum for a long time, but the uptick in the hybrid nature of it and institutionalization of it, um, I don't know. I don't even know if it can stand the pressure that it's going to get this time, Timbo. Yeah, I think that the scrutiny is on between 2000 Mules, Dinesh's amazing movie with video, video showing how ballot boxes were stuffed. We now have a county clerk has been fired and arrested because there was video of her stuffing the box this November, not in a uh, not in an election that, quote unquote, mattered, not in a presidential election, but nonetheless, Nonetheless, people are starting to see the different ways that they cheat and their options are becoming increasingly restricted, which is why I fear the uh, the assassination option. And I, I pray to God that it never happens. What do you think, Ruckus? Wow. Uh, yeah, me, me as well. Um, by the way, real quick to your point about the age difference between the two. This is not lost on the American people. It's only lost on Biden, uh, literally. Uh, <laughs> Well, uh, uh, during the, uh, the the Thanksgiving holiday weekend, President Biden was asked about his age. Uh, it's a frequent question. Uh, a journalist asked him while he was shopping in Nantucket, Nantucket on Saturday, quote, Mr. President, are you too old to be running for reelection? And quote, Mr. President responded, Biden, that is, quote, that's stupid, 
end quote. Well, that's not cool to say because apparently there's a bunch of polls that suggest that at least 77 upwards of 80 percent of people in America who are polled say President Biden is too old to serve another four years in office. So is he saying that 77 percent of Americans are stupid? Just a question. Well, I mean, this is the guy that said, if you ain't voting for me, you ain't black. So, I mean, he's not very far off from calling large swaths of people in the country stupid. And of course, you know, friend of Hillary uh, and Hillary, of course, called everybody right of center deplorables. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not surprised whatsoever. All right. Well, thanks, Ruckus. Uh, this is State of the Nation at today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Pervoy Morich on TNT Radio. From June 2012, the BBC. Tony Blair, ID cards needed to tackle illegal migrants. Uh, of course, that was 2012. Those ID cards today are is, is digital ID. And uh, Majid Nawaz, among others, he, he says, globalist surrogates pretending to be right, populist right-wing influencers against Muslims and immigration are leading you into a trap. It was these very same globalists who opened our borders as part of their plan after invading multiple countries in your name. And of course, it's the same false flag for they're creating the problem intentionally because they have a solution that they want for us. So, you know, they got the solution, which is, you know, dystopia. Uh, and then they figure out, okay, what problems can we create to, to get where we want to go? So we want this algorithm ghetto. How do we get it? Flood in the illegal migrants get rid of law and order, and the solution is going to be the algorithm ghetto. And we're already seeing signs of that. Pervoy Morich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Take us back in time. And who was Mike Flynn? He was the national security advisor to the president. Why is it that they go after me so hard? Why me? Why does Barack Obama only talk about two people to the incoming president of the United States? When I was sentenced, the judge says, you have been convicted of lying to cover up for Donald Trump. To which I say, cover up what? Russian collusion? There was no Russian collusion to cover up. We see in today's current uh, scenario with President Joe Biden, who came in with high expectations, that he has been viewed as divisive. And we're committed to advancing transgender equality in the classroom. The liberal media say, well, this is his love for his son, and yes, he's gonna protect his son. But let me tell you, a lot of fathers love their sons, but their sons had to go to jail when they broke the law. This moment, people see a lot of those telltale signs of a far left drift to the country. Whether you're talking about socialism, or you're talking about communism. Socialism is just a kinder cousin of communism. But the goal is the same, for the state to have control of every aspect of your life. We have multiple hearings on different agencies that have actually just gone rogue. They took fewer men in the takedown of El Chapo than they did to arrest me. And Comey went back to his organization and brought his other thugs together to basically give them the ground rules. Okay, here's how we're gonna, here's what we're gonna do. And give, now I need some ideas about how to execute this, basically this act of treason. I think we all know, James Comey, that you're a great storyteller because you made up the entire story about Crossfire Hurricane. 
So it's really fitting that a criminal like yourself wrote a crime novel. Do you remember me? Remember me from your book signing? It doesn't matter whether they're Republican or Democrat, people will sell their soul to obtain an ounce of political power in Washington, D.C. I don't even know that draining the swamp is the appropriate metaphor anymore after what we've seen these last four years. We need basically an exorcism in Washington, D.C. When, you know, Satan is tempting Jesus in the desert, I'll, I'll give you all the riches of the world. I'll give you everything. All you have to do is bow to me. That's what Barack Obama has done. That's what Jim Comey has done. That's what these bastards have done. The Fall of Deceit at SalemNow.com Ladies and gentlemen, today's news talk. News and information. TNT Radio. All right. State of the Nation with you right here live on today's News Talk. Now, uh, Trump's lawyers have filed a motion for discovery in the Jack Smith case demanding documents regarding informants and undercover agents related to J6 uh, be provided. So they want all documents. They want cooperators, undercover agents, representatives, or anyone acting in a similar capacity on behalf of or at the behest of the Department of Justice or any law enforcement agency agency who was present at or within five miles of the United States Capitol on January 6th. Now, I know that's a mouthful, but I had to read the entire thing because it's important if they're not specific in what they're asking for, a lot of things will get left out. Now, we're going to be joined by Emerald Robinson. She's the host of the weekly news hour, The Absolute Truth on Frank's Speech, and she was the White House chief correspondent for Newsmax and also the chief White House correspondent for One America News. Uh, Emerald, it's great to have you. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on that we can talk about with regards to Donald Trump, uh, the 2020 election, and the 2024 election. There's also um, this new ruling in Georgia exposing election issues. So uh, I'm curious what you make of all the recent lawfare that we're seeing. It's only Monday, and we got all this new lawfare to discuss. Yeah, it's only Monday. Look, a lot of this was was percolating around in the background and a lot of people didn't know about it. And now it's as if the dam is broken. And so there's so much news coming out in regards to election fraud or as it relates to, particularly since the Trump lawsuits are in the news, it's driving some of this to the top, right? Where they've been able to bury it. It's now seeing the surface in the light of day, which is really great. But a lot of this has been brewing um, underneath the surface, especially that in Georgia, uh, besides the Amy Totenberg decision to hold that trial on January the 9th that's related to voting machines. And this is actually brought by Democrats who were contesting the use of voting machines in Georgia. There's also an ongoing case related to the 147,000, I believe it was 147, 157,000 mail-in ballots that were supposed to be sealed and under a protective order. That is in, has to move at some point. So that's coming forward. And then now there's the state election board, uh, Georgia State Election Board, report after an investigation that they um, requested into the December 3rd and 4th, 2020 hand recount, which if that's the one that Raffensperger said was perfect and everything came up correctly. Well, we knew shortly after that, that that was not true. They reconciled the vote, the total with what the number of ballots that they counted and they said they had but they actually never had any proof for the number that they ultimately certified. You would think that it wouldn't take three years to get here to this point for more people in the public to know about it. 
but it has. And this one might be the most problematic because there's lots of documentation there. There's lots of communications um, that show that they knew about this, but basically they lied. There was errors, right? They lied. And then they now look like they've engaged in a cover-up. So this is coming out and they've really slow walked this report. And this is very damning. Overall, it involves about 20,000 ballots. And that's just in Fulton County. You know, we're only talking about one county here. Um, that far exceeds the margin of, of victory for Joe Biden. Um, and so this could be very instrumental in the defense of Donald Trump in the, the Fulton County case. Yeah, I, I mean, they're, they're basically saying the secretary and his state and his whole team lied about these errors. I mean, this is this is huge. It should be huge. Yet I have to go to my colleagues' websites and independent media websites. Uh, I guess I could get a little info about it over at Fox, but even they don't want to hammer this in a way that a conservative would expect it to be hammered in. It's just like, wait a minute, this is huge news. How do you think this is going to affect? I mean, they, there's, they've got Donald Trump in court. They've got him. Uh, they're saying that, you know, he, he's basically, you know, he can't say what he said about the 2020 election. So this affects him in that case. And it should affect people uh, stitched up with J six as well. I would think. Well, it's exculpatory evidence, right? It's Brady evidence. And that's why you've not seen these ballots unsealed or they'll constantly, you, you talked about how they're trying to find out about how many informants or confidential human sources that, that belong to the government were in the crowd on January 6th. Look, there's lots of defendants who have tried to, to find that out. And as you said, they're doing the request in such a, a specific way because you have to, otherwise they'll deny the request. But they've tried this, their best to keep this information from coming out because it absolutely exonerates anyone who questioned the election and anyone who protested uh, it, or went out in protest of the election because they've made the case about them being election deniers really more than anything else that happened that day. And if when they took plea deals in the D.C. court system, as you if you've seen some of the plea deals and the statements of that they've had to give in their they've had to basically say, you know, I don't I, I believe Donald Trump. I don't buy that now. Many of them said that in the in the plea deals. And it, it, it's all a, they've made it all about election. Right. And election denial. So as this evidence comes out, it's extremely problematic to the narrative. Now, will that it change is problematic anything? to the narrative? And I want to talk more about that Georgia case after the news. You're listening to State of the Nation on TNT Radio. Hey, guys, great news. News Radio. TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Israel and Hamas appeared open to extending a ceasefire in Gaza that has halted their deadliest and most destructive war, but is set to expire after Monday. With a fourth exchange of terrorists held hostages for Palestinians imprisoned by Israel planned for later in the day. Winnipeg residents are waiting for more information as investigators work to piece together what led up to a downtown shooting on November 26 that killed three people and left two others in hospital with critical injuries. The Common Housefly Caught in the clutches of the spider's web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then, dinner time. Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website. Whoa. Dinner's ready. Oh. 
man. Escape is futile. Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. TNT Radio dot live. Emerald, you referenced Secretary of State Raffensperger there in Georgia, and that's critical to this whole case in Fulton County. The governor and the Secretary of State are nominally Republicans, and yet they have shown that they're willing to sweep the Democrat corruption under the carpet as well, that the uniparty is real. You had a great tweet uh, this morning on X talking, uh, saying people ask you if the Republican Party is stupid enough to help Joe Biden beat Donald Trump. And I loved your answer. You mean the party that nominated Mitt Romney, the party that said Jeb was a shoe in in 26, the party that <laughs> and you rattled off a whole host of sins against we the people committed by the Republican Party. And the concluding line was simply, yes, they are. Our problem is with the GOP first and foremost, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and that's why, as I see all these people go back and forth over Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump, and there's all this bickering and infighting, and it, it's getting really ugly and it's getting really personal. That takes the eye off the problem, which is the GOP. And the reason we're even where we are is because the GOP, I believe, collaborated with Democrats in, in the 2020 election to make sure Donald Trump didn't get it. And they 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 are the problem and they're not doing anything about it. Let's say they really wanted to win in 2024. They would be doing more about the issues with their elections and securing them. Instead, you see them doubling down on the machines and there's fallout from the machines on a daily basis. Something else comes out nearly at this point. Remember, for so long, you were a conspiracy theorist after the 2020 election. If you questioned anything about the machines. Literally, there is something new every single day that points not to just the vulnerabilities, but how they can be programmed, how they're remotely programmed, how they flip votes, this and that and this and that. And yet you see so-called Republicans doubling down on these machines to make sure they are in place for the 2024 election. So when we see people fighting about, you know, the best candidate for the Republican ticket, that that is just such, I think, a distraction because of 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 what we see now. When you go back to to Raffensperger, I often wonder because I've looked at this so much and I've watched that clip of him on the Today Show on November fourth, twenty twenty. Where I know you've seen it. Oh, I sure. think it gets played. It'll probably get played again by the defense, whether it's Harrison Floyd, you know, whose case is, is the trial ongoing down in Georgia right now. He's one of the few co defendants with Trump has who has chosen not to take a plea deal. He's insistent on fighting this. Um, it, it's kind of amazing because, you know, it is much easier to take a plea deal. Um, but with all this, he's he's producing a lot of Brady evidence. I'm sure he'll pull up this clip. But I remember watching Raffensperger say there was no the margin is such that Trump should win. There's not enough votes out there for Biden to overcome the margin of victory from Trump. So then Raffensperger is out a couple of days later explaining how Biden overcame Trump, despite him knowing there was not enough ballots outstanding to be counted that would warrant that. I, so it's interesting with someone like that. I don't know if he knew in advance or if he somehow became privy to what was going on afterward. Maybe we'll find out through this process because he's only gotten, gotten deeper, more deeply entrenched in it. And you see him getting involved in um, what is the... The now David Brock um, 
organization in, in so media matters that yeah and um and well the and the the voting one and getting and getting deeper involved in what we see as the de- democrat voting machine which is interesting so it'll be as all of this comes out it'll be interesting to see or if we see what they knew and when they knew it now i know with the hand recounts because of the communications i've seen and your colleague joe hoff did a great three-part piece on joecoff.com and he shared these communications so you can see them for yourselves i've been looking at them for for months um but he shared them in such great detail and you can see them how they were made aware pretty early on that there was discrepancies in the count and that, that there were ballot images to back it up or that the, the ballots had been counted in, in in fulton county multiple times and yet they tried to explain it away or shift the blame and shift it away from the secretary of state so what you see a lot of now is the continued shifting of blame onto fulton county to try to exonerate the secretary of state brad raffensperger and i think a lot of that has to do with the donald trump trial because i think you're need- right and one of the big problems that we have is we've had recounts but we haven't had an audit they haven't audited georgia it doesn't matter if you recount bogus votes of course the count's going to be the same it's the fact that you're counting bogus votes that matters emerald right before you came on we had the headline about the media starting to normalize conversations surrounding the death of donald trump as though it's Donald Trump that's 81 years old and stumbling everywhere he goes and losing his place and making a word salad out of every speech he gives. I'm deathly afraid that they haven't been able to beat him at the ballot box. They haven't been able to beat him in the courtroom. I'm really afraid that they're trying to gin up a a Ronald Reagan type attempt on him uh, to finally take him out once and for all. And that that is why Ron DeSantis and Vivek and the others are continuing this charade of a Republican primary. I 100% agree with you. 100%. Yeah. And I think you see it when you see Ron DeSantis and some of the others, or whether it be Nikki Haley, go out there and talk. They know their uh, the odds are totally against them if Donald Trump is still in the race. But you kind of, it's the unspoken, right, that you can fill off of them. And I think that's what doesn't sit well with a lot of Americans. They might not can articulate that, but they can feel that the rest of the field are basically in it because they're looking at if something, kind of hoping maybe something happens to Donald Trump, whether it's they put him in jail or whether they eliminate him by whatever means necessary. And I think that we're in a time that they could do it so covertly. And I get more concerned with like, like you said, Timothy, when you see the media start normalizing. Oh, and also you see some influencers saying, oh, he looks tired, low energy. Well, I didn't see that. Are, Are you watching the same clip I saw? Because I in no way saw that. And I see videos of him going to rallies and to Clemson games. And, you know, I, I wish I had as much energy as Donald Trump. I mean, I have tried to keep up with him now for how many years and I'm well under half his age and I still can't keep up with the man. So you have to always look at what the corporate media is saying and read between the lines. And I think that's a very concerning narrative. And I don't think a lot of people picked up on that, Timothy. Well, you're absolutely right. The gaslighting is real. Emerald, can't thank you enough for coming on. Folks, make sure to watch Real Truth with Emerald Robinson on Frank's speech. All right. Thank you so much for having me. 
and emerald.tv and at emerald robinson on x.com emerald yes thank you so much for joining us here always a pleasure can't wait to do it again that's emerald robinson with us right here on today's news talk tnt radio with his expert analysis and opinion this is tnt radio's timothy shea I've been in and around politics for over 50 years, so it takes a lot to surprise me, much less shock me. But I was shocked, shocked, not that so many Argentines voted for Javier Malay, but that the Peronist powers that be allowed him to win the election. And the thing that made me the happiest for my Argentine friends is the video that Malay put out where he went down the row of a magnetic board that had all the Argentine government ministries listed and all the irrelevant ones he pulled them off the magnetic board over his shoulder. They're gone, no more. That's exactly what we need to have happen here in the United States. We need Donald Trump back in January of 2025 to streamline our government. We need to move the Department of the Interior actually out into the interior. We need to move the Department of Agriculture to where we commit agriculture. And most importantly, we need to defund and disband FBI and distribute its law enforcement functions to other agencies that have their own law enforcement capability already stood up. We can't have Donald Trump back fast enough. I'm glad that Malay is going to make Argentina great again. We need Donald Trump here to make America great again. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. As a combat wounded veteran, I know how hard it is to come home and build a meaningful life. When I was in Iraq, our vehicle was hit. A rocket propelled grenade exploded right under my seat. Traumatic brain injury, a fractured pelvis, severe burns. They didn't think I was going to make it. I had to learn to walk again and live with the scars, both visible and invisible. DAV helps veterans like LaToya get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. With DAV on my side, I was able to pursue my dreams. If my story can touch a heart, it can change a life. My victory is overcoming my wounds so I can help other veterans. LaToya Lucas, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Interviews, news, and views. This is State of the Nation with Steve Hook and Brian McClain. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Okay, we're going to be joined by Charlie Sauer momentarily here, president of the Market Institute. And, uh, you know, this this is actually kind of a fun story, Uh in a way, considering what our headlines consist of today. But here's a tweet from Elizabeth Warren. That's right. Uh, I think her code name is Pocahontas, but we won't go there too deeply. Uh, we don't need another private equity deal that could lead to higher food prices for consumers. The FTC is right to investigate whether the purchase of Subway by the same firm that owns Jimmy John's and McAllister's Deli creates a sandwich shop monopoly joining timothy and i now to discuss is charlie sour charlie uh the big sandwich uh, industrial complex i guess is something our our leaders and politicians should be interested in kind of strange but what, what's going on here look elizabeth warren's not gonna stop until she gets that salami surrender she's looking <laughs> at the big sandwich cartel and she's going to take them all the way until we're all forced to make sandwiches at home at what a dollar a pop 
This is something that the left has been doing for a while, but has really expanded under Lena Khan's leadership at the FTC. They're going after business after business, industry after industry. And their idea is that the government can make better decisions than any of these business owners and that consumers are just stupid and don't understand that we don't have to visit Subway. We don't have to visit Jimmy John's. We can just make a sandwich at home and save a lot of money in the first place. If anything, if you listen to what the left says, they should let the industry monopolize and take over the sandwich industry because then as a nation, we would save a lot of money just eating at home and not going to these places. As it stands, the reason we go to them is because they have quick food that's reasonably priced. But no, the sandwich cartel must be taken down. And I think it's just a perfect example of how bad the left is acting right now and really how far they're willing to take their actions. Well, they're willing to go as far as we will allow them to go. Maybe it's something to do with the name Lena. You've got Lena Hidalgo in Houston that's been an absolute disaster. You've got Lena Khan at FTC who's similarly been a failure. And, and Brian, I do have to disagree with you here. Her name's not Pocahontas. That is a slur on a very fine woman. Pocahontas (laughs) was a hero. Liz Warren, we dubbed her in Massachusetts 13 years ago, Pocahontas. F-A-U-X, Cahantis. That's her proper name, Focahontas, because she's a fake Indian. She's not Indian at all. But what she's done with the Consumer Protection uh, Safety Bureau or whatever that stood up is called, that's just making credit cards more expensive. Everything Democrats touch, they ruin. The left is why we can't have nice things, Charlie. Yeah, they like overstepping. And look, the FTC itself has been based on a consumer protection standard, a consumer welfare standard for decades. It's made it through Republicans. It's gone through Democrats. And the left is currently trying to change that, where it doesn't matter what consumers feel or how consumers care about a certain business's operation. This is about how the left feels about an operation and how they think the market should run. And when we have government bureaucrats, and it doesn't matter whether they're left or right. Look, I don't want Chuck Grassley figuring out how the internet should run. I want him to keep his Twitter account and keep it funny. But we don't need him figuring out where Google should put servers. We don't need Elizabeth Warren walking around and deciding which shop should be a Jimmy John's, which shop should be a Subway, and which one should be a Taco Bell. Now, of course, if I was doing it, I would just make them all Taco Bells and the nation would be a better place. But that's for me, not for everybody. That's why we have a free market that gets to decide these things. And we have private equity firms that should be able to decide them too. And to take it one step further, Reasonably, I think that this is the sandwich businesses basically unionizing against the food delivery companies. This gives them a better opportunity to negotiate their delivery rates with these companies instead of being single act alone places. Now they have all of the sandwich industry that's able to actually work out an arrangement where we can have benefits on both sides. And the end result of that is the consumer is going to be happier. That's exactly right. You know, there's always economies of scale that the federal government never takes into consideration, right? Subway and Jimmy John's and other companies together can place a larger order for Gabagol. (laughs) 
the the Gabagool army is always a good one too. But look, and this goes even further. The FTC has also recently gone after anesthesia companies in Texas that were selling to a private equity firm. And the idea there was to actually give them more leverage against the insurance companies who were trying to pay all of these doctors cents on the dollar, while the whole time there's middlemen that are raising the price of healthcare across the board for everybody. So instead of the government focusing on making the market freer, making it open and increasing competition, they're focusing on restricting competition and restricting entrepreneurship, which doesn't mean good things for the consumer now. But when we look out in the future and we see what entrepreneurs are saying, oh, I want to jump into this industry, but they're like, well, I'm not going to jump into the sandwich industry. The government's already come in and regulated how much money I can make and how big I can be in this industry. And so they move away from the sandwich industry. So you see less innovation. When we move that out to healthcare and we move it out to any other uh basically industry, we see that consumers are hurt, the economy's hurt, and as a nation, we're less competitive with everybody else. And so maybe Charlie, that's their goal. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was just gonna say. <laughs> exactly. You're on the same wavelength there, Timbo. Does so can we perhaps uh, this is somewhat rhetorical on my behalf, but I'll ask anyways, can can we perhaps consider the FTC on its way to being equally as weaponized as some of the other three-letter agencies and regulators out there that have been in the news a lot the last five, 10 years? Yeah, I mean, I have to say, I as a libertarian economist, I consider the weaponization of the FTC one of the worst possible um, aspects of our country. Look, when, we, when the other three letters uh, do things that aren't right. It doesn't take down the whole country with it. It doesn't stop innovation in the future. It takes away some of our rights. It hurts some of our rights. But the FTC is nerdy and it's complicated. And the way that they enforce their rules are nerdy and complicated. And so they don't have the same sound bites. But I consider the fact that everything that they touch deals with our economy, deals with the way that investors think about the future of our economy, and really works with the way that entrepreneurs that have to take a risk and put their family at risk and put their livelihood and their life savings at risk. It's what those people think about that that makes me worry about the future that my kids see. So I do think that this weaponization is there. I'm also glad because at the end of the Trump administration, there were Republicans that were jumping on board, calling for the FTC to take action on these big companies. And I think that as far as the FTC has gone left and has attacked more companies, those Republicans are seeing what they did was wrong. And now we're seeing the return of free market Republicanism, the return of free market conservatism. At least we can hope that we see that because of the misdeeds of this FTC. Yeah, well, austerity brings hope sometimes, and uh, these are certainly turning into austere times, or at least a threat of heavy austerity at this point. And I've seen that too. You know, you, we've spoken before about this, and there does seem to be a resurgence in interest in economics, tax structures, uh, you know, entrepreneurship. A lot of the things that sort of fell to the wayside in you know uh, modern times here are now becoming reinvigorated people have new interest in it there's actually young people 
that I look up to. It's like, oh, wow, that, that guy spent his youth figuring out how to do this thing that, you know, me as a Gen Xer was, you know, it just, I don't know, maybe I'll take personal responsibility for it. I did not do that. And it's impressive to see young people doing that, young entrepreneurs doing this. And um, the FTC, I mean, this is getting pretty open kimono with, with Lena Khan here. We know uh, <laughs> we've, we've traced her all the way back to some of her writings as a student. And she's basically been talking about uh, having a sort of uh, revolution, like a financial revolution. It's, it's very, um, I don't know, it, it's sort of like uh, it's uh, leftist tactics, almost Marxist, the way in which she wants to attack uh, businesses. Well, uh, not only has she been open about it, I mean, she's like advertised it the way they changed the FTC website to pull uh, making a, a free market or a, or a competitive market off off of the FTC website. But look, when we look out at things, I think that this is a bad sign of the Biden administration. It's going further left than I thought that they would go. But when you look at that tweet that you brought up from Elizabeth Warren and you see the way in which she was ratioed or that people turned on her and used the tweet against her instead of going with it, I do think the nation is in a better place than we've been in a while. And I do think because the left, this is broken window economics, I don't want to be here. It's not a good place for the country. But because the left is turning so far left in so many places in our economy are hurting. I do think that this fiscal right and the fiscal left is heating back up and we will start to see better changes in the near future. Again, broken window economics is never a good thing. It doesn't uh, necessarily work when you talk about breaking windows and trying to make money by fixing them. But what we see here is that we're moving so far left. The education is increased on increasing on how bad these policies are, we could have a stronger economy on the other side of this. From your lips to God's ears, they're not only being leftists in terms of manipulating the marketplace and, and putting their fingers on the scale, deciding who the winners and who the losers are. They're actually penalizing people that go against the official narrative. Our good friend, Eric Naputi, Dr. Eric Naputi is being sued by FTC for half a trillion dollars. You heard me right, half a trillion with a T, 500 billion with a B dollars. They're suing Eric because he had the temerity to say that vitamin D helps boost your immune system, which it does. They're using government as a weapon not only against small business, but against anybody that dissents in any regard whatsoever. Government isn't a weapon. And I thought our founders had made that pretty clear when they laid out the arguments that formed our, our nation. Um, I do have to say, it's not really the left using the government as a weapon that disturbs me. Um, because we know that they use it as a weapon. I do think that Brian's right when their open kimono is going on, that it's more obvious what they're doing. And I think that that makes it easier to push against. But look, when you look at what Governor DeSantis is doing in Florida, he's using the government to punish businesses. Now, you guys or others might agree with the things that he's going after these companies for, but that is what he is doing, is using government to attack businesses. 
Now, if anything, we need the government to be small enough so we can fit it in a bathtub to drown it. That's one of my favorite lines from Grover Norquist. And it couldn't be more right than right now because we have this gigantic government. We have a president that can do everything that he wants with the swipe of a pen. We have others that think that they're that they're that powerful and i think it creates a bad narrative in people's heads that the government can come in to help us and we that's when you need to repeat ronald reagan right the government is not going to help us we don't need that and so the thing is actually we can also repeat um uh, Jimmy Carter uh, said that in his 1978 State of the Union speech as well. There's a lot of history where we can remember the government isn't there to help us. But right now we're in a place where both sides seem to be talking about it and both sides are open kimono about it. So I think it's now is the time that we can actually push back on some of this. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, where where are you uh, going after some of the n- monopolies that are actually hurting Americans uh, writ large? You know, like big tech, for example, like big censorship. Well, we like know Timo. where they are. Yeah, 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 net zero. I mean, it's crazy. They've got so many things that are monopolized at this point that are really hurting Americans. I mean, look at BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street, some of these investors um and and then the media my goodness like where are you with the media why is it only six companies or so own like all of the global uh mass media so you know you and i disagree on the tech side and i think of them the same way that i think of this sandwich shop it's just ridiculous we have a billion uh a billion we have a lot of small businesses across the country that are now introduced to more markets than they've ever been because we have innovative companies and if the government comes in and attempts to lock them down the only thing we're going to do is hurt these small businesses and lock these companies up at their size i do think there are monopolies that are real and we should look at though and that's in the if we look into healthcare and the hospital system if you look at public policy and we we hit on this before but but we currently have government policy that pays hospitals more for the same uh more for the same service than they pay an independent doctor now this isn't the hospital advertising more money and the private the private doctor advertising the uh, for a certain surgery and them just charging different prices. This is by government policy. They pay hospitals more than independent doctors. And so what we have is arbitrage in the market where hospitals are just buying up the independent doctors actually paying those independent doctors more money and yet increasing their bottom line as well while vertically integrating the whole market into just a couple of hospital systems. So when we look, want to look at real monopolies, we need to look at what the government is doing to markets and how the government is affecting these markets, because that's a real monopoly. I actually think that in a market, we don't have monopolies. Look, MySpace was a monopoly in the tech industry at one point. They went out of business overnight because uh, what Matt couldn't keep up with the, the changing trends in the marketplace. And they took like two wrong turns and the whole market turned away from them. I think that that's what's important to see here is that individuals and entrepreneurs and businesses are going to make good decisions and bad decisions. Almost every decision the government makes is a wrong decision. So when we find where the government is moving a market, that's where we need to go after them and actually deal with those monopolies. Amen. They've done the same thing in the agriculture industry, the meat packing industry. They need to get out of all industries. There you go. Uh, Well said. Well said, Charlie. 
All right, uh, Charlie, where can people follow you? You can follow me on Twitter at Market Institute, or you can go to our websites, uh, marketinstitute.org or uspolicy.org. Perfect. All right, Charlie. Well, we'll keep an eye on the uh, big sandwich industrial complex here. Uh, make your sandwiches at home. That's my advice. I think that might be, uh, but hey, you know, we need our selections out there too. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks, Tim. This has been State of the Nation right here on today's News Talk. Stay tuned for Misty Winston on TNT Radio.